0: The Rock play where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and today I'm joined by Susie Murphy, who's the executive director of the San Diego Mountain Biking Association and founding board member of the California Mountain Biking Coalition. That's a lot. You have a lot of credentials here, Susie. A lot of, a here, lot, and a be- lot of words. <laughs> and before you think, <laughs> this is just going to be some, you know, giant Southern California mountain bike conversation. It's not. Susie is here to talk specifically, you know, not about our great trails in San Diego, but to weigh in on some larger mountain bike and trail advocacy topics that we've touched on previously on the Rock Bite. Susie, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really uh, happy to be here.
0: So we are recording this. It's a a really rainy day here in Southern California, out in San Diego.
1: Boy, is it.
0: We're not going to do the thing where people in Southern California complain about the weather. We're not going to do that. Nope. (laughs) All right, well, so I'm sorry to do this to you, but we need to kind of start with e-mountain bikes because that was the reason that I, I reached out to you in the first place. And, uh, and I'm sure e-bikes are the thing you're required to talk about the most. That's how I start every morning. Okay. <laughs> What's the latest e-bike conversation I need to have today? Mm-hmm. Um but well, I want to take advantage of you being here just to ask a few almost electric mountain bike-related questions or follow-ups uh, to some of the other things I've said on the show. So my concern around e-bikes isn't painted with a broad brush. I think you've listened to the episodes. I've talked about it. Um, you know, I understand the benefits. It's, and I think it's exciting that there's some folks now that have a tool to help them enjoy you know cycling when perhaps they couldn't before. What I've detailed on the show recently are the folks who've only known mountain biking via e-bike via an e-bike, um, and that kind of accelerated learning curve, on uh, you know, and e-bike, and e-bike provides leading to ultimately some bad, bad trail etiquette. So I guess let's start here. Is, is that a legitimate concern? Is there, is there been a downside to the increase in e-mountain biking from your perspective?
1: I think that that, uh, accelerate, accelerated curve is a concern, um, uh, because you're getting people, um, you know, new to mountain biking, like brand new to trails, brand new to mountain biking, jumping on an e-bike and heading out to places uh, and doing an inherently dangerous activity. I mean, I think we can all agree. And on equipment they're not familiar with. So yeah, it's a concern um, has been for me for since this whole thing started. I mean, I was raised, I've been riding for 30 plus years. I was raised that mountain biking is a like any sport, like super progressive. Like you, you start with the basics, you learn the foundations, just like learning how to hit a ball with a bat. Like it's foundational, it's progressive. You have to practice, you have to get that muscle memory and for people to just think they're going to gain those skills, like without the time invested is, is, is a concern. Plus the bikes are heavier, although, you know, there are lighter weight ones now, but a lot of the people new to the sport may not invest money into like a higher end class one bike that only weighs, you know, sub 40 pounds or around 40 pounds and they're riding something that's 55 or 60 or more. Mm-hmm. It's that's that's not easy to handle. Um, and then I think uh, some people may be heading out and they may just not have basic outdoor experience, like basic right. trail experience, uh, even basic first aid, let alone wilderness first aid, but basic first aid Basic uh, knowing, you know, how to make sure you eat enough and hydrate and uh, make sure you can get back to your car or yeah. your house. So, yes, that's all a concern. It's a concern for me. And to the other part of your question, has there, is there been a downside to the increase of e-mountain biking? I mean, that's a big question with lots of, <laughs> lots of opinions. Uh,
0: acknowledging there has been upsides too. I'm not saying it's all downside. There well, is clearly, it's not going yeah. away number one. So get used to it, everybody. But number two, it is, there are a lot of benefits as well.
1: There are. SDMBA and IMBA. As mm-hmm. well, the International Mount Bicycling Association and the California Mount Biking Coalition and probably other orgs that I'm not going to name have a similar formal position, not a policy, but a position that we think class one e-bikes should be allowed wherever regular bikes are allowed.
0: That's a pedal assist bike, right? That's basically what that a class yeah, one class is. Yeah,
1: class one pedal assist. Uh, yes. The other classes uh, and the out of classification things like the e-motorcycles just shouldn't be on trails. Period. And so that's, you know, that's a whole nother part of the conversation. But some of these other vehicles that are heading out on trails are, are kind of the problem. They're heavier, they're faster, ridden by people who may be getting in over their heads uh, and may not, those, some of those people may not have concern or knowledge of how to treat other people generally. Mm-hmm. So, but, I, you know, there's so many positive things to come out of it. The accessibility, um, the usefulness for for trail work for land managers to be out on e-bikes instead of in their trucks, you know. I right. always I'm right. for the land managers and the rangers to be out on bikes. I mean, we did a ride, we did a, an organized ride on Saturday morning. We had three rangers out on bikes, all on analog bikes I'll say, not on e-bikes. They were all on regular bikes, but um, you know, that's fun. It's fun for them to be out of their trucks. Sure. So uh, yeah, so there's a lot of good things and there's a lot of concerning things about e-bikes.
0: When I when I really kind of put myself under a microscope, and it's like it's really just it's the bad etiquette, right? Which is not limited at all to you know e-bikers. It's a pervasive problem. I've lived in eight states, I've mountain biked in more than eight states, and everywhere thinks they have the worst mountain bikers or the worst behaved mountain bikers. And I can honestly say, oh, it's the same everywhere. Every it's all it's always the same. There's always the same problems. You know, even what I'm talking about, most of the bad etiquette I see are usually on really heavily used, multi-use trails, right? We have down here, we have a a lot of double track where there's everything is allowed, right? And that's kind of, and those are the biggest hotspots you see people going to. But I think my worst day uh, that I had was earlier this spring. I knew pulling up it was like and I don't know, it was like April, we had just had this really wet cold winter, hadn't been out in a while. I'm like this place is going to be a shit show today. I mean and it was. I mean it was like a biker's horses runners, hikers, people pushing strollers, everything. But the the bad trail etiquette does seem to go with mountain biking, pretty well, it goes kind of hand in hand. Is it simple to think that, regardless if a reader ha- if a rider has an e bike or an analog bike, you know, bad etiquette is just part of the mountain biking challenge?
1: Uh, when I end up in meetings where people will say, um, non mountain bikers will say, all the e bikers are have terrible etiquette. All the mountain bikers have terrible etiquette. I am, I am one. I mean, I used to be a a teacher. I used to teach a little bit of English and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like stop talking in absolutes. All of everybody is not doing this and nobody, you know, that's ridiculous. Bad trail etiquette is bad trail etiquette. Going too fast is going too fast. I don't care what you're on. I don't care you're on a racehorse or a one wheel or, (laughs) you know. We're going to do an
0: episode on one wheels later. I got my, I got separate opinions on those things, but I keep going. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, if you're a super fast trail runner, I mean, I've been Mm -hmm. passed going uphill by an elite trail runner. So although some mountain bikers seem to have this reputation um, that they seem to want to be, you know, the rogue, badass, like uh, whatever. I don't know if that's really just a mountain bike thing or if that's just an ego thing like they have to look cool in the parking lot and they have to look cool on the trail and they have to look cool for their friends. I, I'm i more of a usually, I wouldn't be doing this job if I wasn't like a half full kind of person instead of a half empty kind of person. So um, I tend to think that the vast majority of all trail users um, really try to do the right thing. They try to be courteous and respectful and acknowledge the nature, the place that they're in, and recreate responsibly, and be appreciative, a- appreciative of the great places we get to explore. Like, I like to think that most people think that way. It's easy. Like, smile and say hi. Don't ride with a grimace on your face. Like, you're not that cool. Just smile, <laughs> smile and say hi, and slow down. And don't, don't ride like a maniac when you're within, like, a half a mile of a staging area. Yep. I mean, I can't, I can't understand how it's so difficult for people to understand. Like you said, if you, it's a day when you know, it's going to be busy. Yeah. If you can just get a, generally a half a mile out from this parking area, then do your thing within reason. Right. But yeah, when you're within that half a mile, like at Mount Laguna or Penasquitos or wherever you're going to expect a lot of strollers and hikers and trail runners and whoever, and group family groups and kids and just, Chill out.
0: Your role really allows you to sit sort of at the intersection of user user experience and public policy. And there's this fan base in the mountain bike community and cyclists, kind of like we're talking about, are incredibly opinionated. And I think, I don't think it's like a much of a reach to say maybe the most opinionated group of outdoor enthusiasts. I, I don't know what it is. I, and I know every group and I look, I've run, I ski, I do all these things. They all. We all have those voices. But there's something about cyclists. So they all have opinions about what or where they should be able to ride or the quality of the riding that you know, they should be looking for. But then you have the local and federal guidelines that you have to maneuver through as well as, you know, these petty etiquette conversations that we just talked about. So what do most mountain bikers not understand? And I'm talking about everywhere here from, you know, the northeast to down here to the northwest, everywhere in between when it comes to how we get to have the trails that we ride. Mm.
1: That's another big question. Big question. But there are, well, when you- This is the first you, of a
0: 20-part series with Susie.
1: <laughs> <and we're, laughs> when, when you talk about uh, anywhere across, you know, let's just stick with the United States, but when sure. you talk about pretty much anywhere across the United States, there are um, differing uh, levels of population, different, different land managers. Uh, some places are more complicated than others. Um, Some places are easier than others. There's less land use uh, competition over the land. Uh, But surprise, we happen to live in San Diego County that has, you know, over three and a half million people in the county. And uh, the most I think has been recently like the most expensive housing and the most expensive land um, anywhere. Uh, that's real. So (laughs) Southern California is, is very, uh, complicated, not just any case study
0: then compared to the, you have the most hoops to jump through compared to a lot of other places, probably.
1: I mean, we tend to say that, um, Orange County, Riverside, LA County, uh, Southern California in general is kind of all in the same boat. Like we just Mm -hmm. seem to have a lot of issues with land use.
0: And a lot of public demand for how that land is used.
1: Yes. A lot of, a lot of voices for how that's used. So from where I sit, Having done this, you know, trail advocacy gig professionally for over eight years now, um, some mountain bikers haven't learned or haven't chosen to learn all of the constraints there are in building new legal trails, um, or that sometimes there are constraints in just maintaining and keeping open what we have.
0: Right. Assume it's assume it's going to exist forever, right?
1: Access, right? Yeah. yeah. Access. So there are opportunities but they are few and far between. And those opportunities may not be what some of the more progressive riders think they deserve. So that is, uh, you know, you talked about how complicated the cycling cycling community is. Um, and if you just, I mean, your listeners that are cyclists, they know, I don't need to go into the long list of all the <laughs> niches, the niches of cycling. But when I get in front of a an elected official who may not yeah. be an outdoor person or a trail person or a cyclist for sure. And I try to explain that there's downhillers and there's enduro people and there's gravel riders and there's bike packers and there's cross country people. They're like, well, I don't care. They're like,
0: <laughs> right, right. People ride bikes. That's it, right? <laughs> like like well... <laughs>
1: people ride bikes in the dirt. Okay. Got it. But they, <laughs> they're really not. It's very difficult for people that aren't in our world to understand all of those different communities. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, if I had a magic wand, <laughs> I, I would do a lot of things in San Diego County that I, you know, I don't have a magic wand. I can't. yeah, yeah. I can't. So, uh, you know, Stimba's been around since 1994 and one of the older trail advocacy organizations in the, in the country. There's always been a push to try to get more progressive type of writing, even though given that's a very small percentage of the writers in the county right? Mm-hmm. That type of writing, sure. more aggressive downhill, blah, blah, blah. It's a much smaller percentage of people. So the constraints, like, do you want to get into talking about bird nesting season that affects <laughs> our work? Do you want to get into like fairy shrimps? The fairy shrimps right now are all singing. Can you hear them?
0: What are the fairy shrimps?
1: <laughs> um, <they're laughs> is that fet- a real thing? <laughs> it is a real thing. They're kind of like sea monkeys. You know what a sea monkey is?
0: Yeah, like brine shrimp kind
1: of like thing. Like a brine shrimp. So they're a federally listed endangered species that live in places like up on Del Mar Mesa. And when it rains, the little petals fill up and they all come to life. And right now they're all singing because it's raining and they're all happy.
0: Like singing so, for real? Like they're making noise? No, they don't really make noise. Oh. I don't know. Maybe they do, <laughs> like, Maybe should they we go? do if you
1: get close enough. <laughs> so no, this is a huge, uh, fairy shrimp are a huge uh, constraint to mm, even just access, access to anywhere in San Diego County.
0: The real thing. Yeah. And I imagine all, oh. and anywhere has got their own environmental things, right? Yeah. It's kind of like it. Was... So,
1: federally listed species. San Diego has the most federally listed species of any county in the country. Butterfly species, which haven't been observed in years and years, but their host plant has to be protected. So, if the butterflies come back, they have something to eat. You know, things like that. Not even to mention land for development, mm-hmm. right? For houses. And then, not to mention, you know, the federal, state, and local trail guidelines and formal standards that have to be adhered to for any new trail or even trail maintenance.
0: So by comparison, do you, do, do, do hikers have an easier time? Is is this harder because no. it's cyclists? Okay. So this, is, this no. is applies to any trail advocacy
1: any, any organization,
0: trail. anybody who wants to do anything that builds a trail, maintains a trail, has to consider all of these local uh, regulations. Yes. We have yes. the most, but any, anywhere I imagine, even in more you know, loose, loosely regulated areas. I imagine there are still things you have to consider if you're. There's want to build still hair. the
1: process. If you yeah. see a blank slate of land somewhere, some public land in Utah, anywhere, yeah. it has to go through a process. Public comment. Right. If it's Forest Service, BLM, whatever, it has to go through a plan, like an inventory, a plan environmental studies, public comment. Like it has to go through all those things.
0: I mean, it's kind of makes sense. But I mean, do you, is this a regular thing you get pushback from, from riders? Like, why don't, like yeah. we just thought, before we hit record, we we're talking about this, this section of trail, actually close to where I live. Well, not trail. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a loosely connected, you know, sort of roads and things like that, where a trail would be awesome to have a trail there. So, you know, if, in order to do that, right. In that area. And I, and I understand you saying like, I understand the, the, the roadblocks you're up against, but are most people like, why don't you just put a trail there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I start talking about birds and butterflies and fairy shrimp and land, <laughs>
0: right.
1: de- land development and mountain bikers. They're most I mean, most of them, their eyes glaze over.
0: Yeah. Right. Every,
1: every once in a while, you'll get a wonk that is into it or into the maps or into the land ownership or into the politics or whatever. But that, yeah. you know, those are those of us that choose to do this work. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we get into the weeds and into the wonk and, um, but most people don't want to, They, you know, and to your point, if we want to be, you know, push the envelope here, why, why is, because I'll say it out loud, because we're all talking about it now. Why is it that the areas in San Diego County that are very popular, mm-hmm. that are ridden by a lot of people are unsanctioned, right? Because People have gone in and done work on their own with just no formal trails, no formal approval, and it, that is not okay. It can yeah. come depending on the land with very heavy um, consequences. But that's why, because people give up on the process and they go out and they're like, "I'm just, I just want to ride my bike, just want to do my thing."
0: I can't imagine you Matt you'd see. To our even our point about etiquette and things, a lot of rider behavior changing because ultimately they they are truly just driven by the one thing, which is I, I want more places to ride, and I don't want to get into the details of why I can't ride there. However, yeah. like you mentioned, you know the organization has been around since the, you know the early '90s you know, are you, are the local governments, are the towns, the cities, are they starting to see the real value of having trails? And, you know, like we're opening up, uh, you know, a new bike park in my town this, this spring. And I'm sure that was a long, a hard, hard fought win, but I can't imagine that knowing the, where my town's development is like, it's a boon. Like I why wouldn't you want that? That is, that is good attention to bring to the city. So, are you, is it starting to, are you starting to get that vibe from the towns or is is there still a lot of pushback of like, eh, we don't, we don't really, we have enough trails. We don't need it.
1: They'll, they'll say that they're pro trail and that they want to provide more trails for people or improve their trails. But when it comes down to actually doing the work, it's very difficult. They're under a lot of constraints as far as regulations and you know agreements that they're under to preserve, like almost all the open space. Well, I'll say all the open space in San Diego County generally is a preserve first, and any rec- any recreation in that area is a secondary consideration.
0: So, I recently had a conversation with Jessica Turner and Chris Perkins from the Outdoor Recreation.
1: I, I listened to that; that was great. Oh, thank you for listening.
0: They are always working how to, you know, they're working on passing legislation to benefit the broader outdoor community, which has over 90 different subcategories, including cycling. So when they get wins in Washington or we get the Bureau of Economic Analysis releasing the report showing outdoor recreation is a trillion-dollar industry in the U.S., I mean, is that, is that, help, is that helpful or is that, does that impact what you do? The, when you have those conversations with these local cities, is it like, hey, listen, you don't really want to you know, deal with this, but look at what it can lead to?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, somewhat that, that particular report, like, I don't, I don't know how much that trickles down, say to like the city of Chula Vista here Mm -hmm. to the County of San Diego. Yeah, probably Mm -hmm. the County is a little more conscious of, uh, the bigger picture, the tourism, the, you know, quality of life. Like they have just a little more capacity to think about those things. Right. Um, uh, the forest service and so on, do they, I mean, do they pay attention to those kind of things? I don't know. Maybe the higher ups, like the really higher ups in the Forest Service, like at the region level or the national level. Sure. They, they yeah. are engaged in that policy stuff. Yes. The policy work being done by groups like the ORR um, to drive legislation forward uh, can bring funding and uh, improve policy. When it comes to like the trail building world, that yeah. stuff helps because they're, 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 you know, constantly giving the message of trails and other things. I mean, they're access, they're like everything so that sure, right. it's complicated, but other groups that also lobby like IMBA. Imba has a government relations department. They are in Washington, right? They right. have a staff person in Washington. He's great. They're great. Like they've been working all this time specifically for mountain biking and for trails outdoor Alliance is another one that we work closely yep. with in the California mountain biking coalition, very close partners with them We're one of their, you know, one of their organizations uh, that signs on to practically everything that they're talking about and promoting in Sacramento, the Outdoor Industry Association, People for Bikes, all of these are lob, have lobbying arms that are, are pushing for all the things we believe in, right? Right, right. Um, And some of those are obviously industry organizations, but that's okay, because the, yeah. the people that are working in that, that realm are trying to not only work tell the elected officials what it should be a priority as far as recreation, but also... Making the industry understand, especially the mountain biking industry, understand that trails are vital to their business, right? Yeah. <laughs> without, mount- without, without trails, there wouldn't be any mountain biking. <laughs> so, so some you'd be surprised. Sometimes people in the industry uh, just don't seem to want to understand that the trail advocacy organizations are vital to their survival. But. Yeah. Back to the wonk. So, any progress on the legislative front helps, but some of it doesn't trickle down all the way to a super local level, right? But it helps. Um, some may help with projects like with the Forest Service if it's federal legislation, right? Mm-hmm. So it all depends mm-hmm. on what jurisdiction you're talking about—federal, state, local.
0: Well, so I guess let's let's cross the stream. So, all the things you're you're describing yeah. about the challenges, and and I know you know a lot of them from your perspective, very uh, local to where we live. However, I'm sure they can be extended out to many other places. Yes. So what can, I mean, the, the, the bad etiquette, I think we agreed probably just exists and there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, but at the same time, what can the people who do care, what, what can the, what can the mm-hmm. riders who really are invested in their local mountain bike community do to support? Like what can they, what are the meetings they can come out to? What are the letters they can write? Yeah. You know, how, how do we make it better? What would what do we do to help?
1: I, you know, uh, I working with over 30 different trail organizations across the state has been really inspiring for me and we all want the same thing and we all want to make trails better and mountain biking better for everybody across the state. And all of us will say the same thing, like engage with your local organization, uh, become a member. Mm-hmm. Um, donate it. If you can join events, uh, you know, like we have our archipelago ride and our Mount Laguna trail fest, super fun for the community. Really the main goal of that is just to bring people together so they can meet and have fun and ride, whatever.
0: Right. Um, and everywhere I've lived, the local organization has always had events like that, no matter where it is, there's always something being put on like at least yeah. a few times a year.
1: Right. And we have like, we have a trail advocacy meeting, um, you know, this week at a local brewery. Uh, we have those occasionally. So if you're a member and you get our newsletter or you follow us on social media, you know, you don't have to be a member, really. We'd love it. But you know, our social media isn't so open to anybody. You can come to stuff. There's very few things we do that are members only. Every you know, you don't have to be a member to do to come to a volunteer workday, to to help at an event, to come to the meetings, um, you know, keep your eye out. Like we just did a push for, there was a public, there's a public comment period open right now for Balboa park of all places, but guess mm. what? Balboa park has trails in Florida Canyon yes, and we've done some work there, but it needs so much more work. And so if we can infiltrate, <laughs> infiltrate that <laughs> survey w- that's put on by the city of San Diego, it's an official survey,
0: mm-hmm. right.
1: And st- I well stack, like get, Hopefully a lot of people have listened and they, we get a lot of comments about trails and when they do their little tally mark and they're hearing trails, trails, trails are important to me. Trails, 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 trails. Guess what? We'll get some attention. Right. Right. So those calls to action, public comments, going to park meetings, like all of these things are super important. But the one really accessible thing that people can do is when you're out on the trail, just be nice and say hi. Yeah. You know, stop. Cost you nothing. It costs you nothing. Pick up a piece of trash. Like I, you know, if somebody's, you know, stopped on the side of the road or the side of the trail, whether they're a biker or a hiker, like I was raised as a mountain biker. Stop and ask if they're okay. Do they need a snack? Do they need water? Do they need, do they have a mechanical? Like, do they need help? Like that's the mountain biking community I was raised in. Like you take care of each other and you be kind and you be helpful.
0: That's the best advice I think anybody can give. And you know, and it's like and even the, if you are the one who's climbing and here comes the the, the, the rookie e-biker to bring it full circle downhill, you know, I, I know I know that if I try and get luxury, it isn't gonna work. But I will just be like up pillars have the right away and just keep riding you know just sort mm-hmm. of like just just throw it out there maybe it lands you know maybe they'll hear me but you know but love you, that but that's everybody's that's everybody's favorite rule that's another whole episode too what's that? the up pillars have right away oh, the up pillars have a right away Oh, well really yeah. we have no rights on a bike let's be honest you no. you have a right against another mountain biker who's coming yeah. downhill but well, that's the that's... only one we have i mean and that should just be our default position is that yeah. if you're encountering somebody just plan on pulling over unless they're kind of waving you on through So, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all of these conversations uh, could go on and on. But um, anyway, I hope that I just hope that people understand how hard trail advocates up and down the state uh, and around the country really are working. If you go to Utah or you go to Arizona to ride or even in Canada or anywhere, there are local trail organizations that are working so hard for you to have a great experience.
0: Susie, thank you so much for coming on. Open invitation. Anytime you want to come on, talk talk mountain bike trails. Advocacy, ad, I can't say advocacy. I don't know why I have a advocacy, tough time with that word.
1: Yeah, it's a it's tricky word. Here. I mean, I love, I feel like we kind of talked about a lot of the problems and the um, frustrations and things, um, but there are good things happening, you know. And, well, I'm and, riding and, your
0: ride. I'm riding the, the art ride this arch year. Ride. So maybe yeah. afterwards we can come <laughs> on. And we'll, we won't be so specific about it, but we could talk about the the wonder of the community that we'll all experience that day. There you go. (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming on, Susie. All right. Thank you. All right. That's the show for today. But before you move on to that next podcast, you have queued up about uh, Taylor Swift and whatever she did wrong at the Grammys the other night. Please take a quick second and subscribe to The Rock Fight by tapping the follow button for the show and the app where you are listening. Hey, we want to hear from you, and don't you want to hear from us? Send your emails to myrockfight at gmail.com and head over to rockfight.co to sign up for News From the Front, our weekly newsletter that comes out every Sunday and contains just a little bit of exclusive content each and every week. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. Thanks to today's guest, Susie Murphy. I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out is Krista Makes with the Rock Fight Fight Song. We'll see you next time, Rock Fighters. Rock fight.